Welcome everyone to the Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. I offer you freedom and you reject it. Kidnap me and run as fast as you can into slavery. You are an idiot. The Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 110, Black Tiger Steals Heart, is brought to you by Belvini, 40-year-old single malt scotch. Served perfectly at room temperature on the floor. <laughs> well done, Pete, and welcome again, everyone. So glad to be here as we... Uh, as we enter the final lap for uh, Iron Fist with these uh, these final four episodes, starting with this episode 110. Uh, of course, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. continuing on and uh, keeping our fingers crossed for AOS getting the uh, renewal. But uh, Pete, today's focus, it's all Iron Fist. Time to step inside the dojo and deconstruct this episode. Matt... Gently rustling curtains give way to a recharging iron fist on a bed. Indeed, he's got a band-aid on his arm and he's asleep next to, next to, they somehow seem to hold off the reveal here. Um, we do, in the interim, see his bare chest and his iron fist tattoo showing. And his dirty freaking fingernails all over uh, somebody's nice looking shoulder there. Could the Iron Fist maybe please just uh, clean those fingernails up? Um, I noticed the fingernails as well. My focus, though, was a bit on the slightly plastic sheen to the tattoo, uh, ever so slightly. Um, regardless, though, Pete, it, it occurs to me in this last week we have discussed hairstyles on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now we're talking <laughs> uh, nail cleanliness. I think we have a whole kind of like lifestyle podcast in us, but <laughs> l let's talk about that once uh, once Iron Fist is done with. Uh, he wakes Colleen. There's all lovey-dovey smiles, Pete. He asks where they are. Her answer, home. Well, that was fast, I suppose. Um, there's dialogue about how uh, they're not in the dojo, but it's the safest place that Colleen knows. Uh, we have the nice touch on uh, Danny's body, by the way, of Mark's here and there. Uh, the result of his fighting. Uh, he asks her what happened. This is in reference to the cut on her arm, which was a little weird because we know she got stabbed and he should know she got stabbed. But anyhow, she says he healed her. Aww. Well, I don't think it was in reference to the cut on the arm, but more so the the memory of healing her and then him passing out to wake up where they are now. I will grant you that 100%. My bad. Absolutely. With that, Pete, we cut to Joy back in uh, in Harold's penthouse, still digesting the fact that her father is alive. They discuss Ward a bit. Ward, who was who was starting to peel away from the family, so that's why Dad had to act now. Oh, by the way, Danny also found out, but Harold didn't want that. He didn't bring that on by going to see him in the mental hospital. There's such a sweet paternal manipulation to Harold here, Pete. Yeah, I actually wrote down when he said it wasn't his choice, not true. The the first unaltered uh, memory that uh, Danny has of Harold, Harold revealed himself in the penthouse um, after uh, Ward had pushed him out of the window. So both times, either way, it was Harold who initiated the contact. So he continues to lie to uh, Joy, despite the fact that he has revealed himself to be alive. They, or he, uh, gets to the memory of when he was sick, that he was there uh, laying and uh, Joy and Ward, though just teens, were with him every two hours. They wouldn't let the hospice nurse um, keep him from the bed sores. They, you know, prematurely took on so much responsibility and um, talked about how in the darkness there, when they did sleep, that he prayed, he pleaded to the universe for a second chance because apparently, Matt, the hand, they were listening to universe radio. <laughs> uh, indeed they were. Uh, he talks of her uh, being asleep at his deathbed. 
him praying that he could somehow keep her from future pain. He starts to cry, saying that he's sorry for all of this, saying that he loves her. Uh, at this point, they cut to a wide shot. Now, they hadn't been hiding the fact that he's in the penthouse or that he was at the sofa uh, at the penthouse, but this particular wide shot shows where they're at on the sofa in context with up the couple of stairs and the table near the window. So immediately I was taken back to at their feet is where Kyle died. Um, I like that they cut to this shot. I don't, don't know if that was the intention, but the result certainly is to link it back to Kyle's death without Harold looking pensive. Flashback to uh, uh, being, you know, Kyle being killed. Flashback, you know, return to him thinking about it on the couch. It's just kind of, it's, it's in the air through the editing, and it's really nicely done. Joy's glad that the universe listened. Uh, she sits down there, asks what death was like, and he explains that it was like when he was coming home from school through the snow, and he would stand on the porch with comfort and warmth on the other side, but this time he was unable to open the door, and he could hear the mat. It's, it's tearful. It's impactful. We, I think that's maybe the biggest thing that um, David Wenham's managed to do at times with a pretty despicable character is to get us to identify at least with his, his motives to do these horrible things, like kill a guy with an ice cream scooper because he won't eat the flavors that you, you know, very thoughtfully picked out. We've all been there, Matt. <laughs> I know, you know, when there were three people in Fantastic Geek. <laughs> Well, A, it was prior to Fantastic Geek, but B, let's just say you eat Listen, you eat the ice cream or this, or you get the scooper. As a as a picky person, yes. <laughs> um obviously you are speaking in jest as to the, the second part of your statement that that we can sympathize with his coming unhinged, but it is interesting and I it is interesting to note, and I completely agree with you, Pete, that um David Wenham has portrayed Harold in such a way where we are completely sympathetic at times to the genesis of his motives. I don't know that I don't know that justifying your death and absence from your daughter's life for 15 years to make her a better person is logical when you get to the end of that. Who to, has to the end of that thought. when you think about it, Matt, fake their death though in today's society? Well, I, Pete, I used to be on Facebook, and then I deleted my account. That that was kind uh, of a death. death fake, death fake. Right. What there. happened to him? I heard he died. Um, things move on, though, Pete. Life, death. Uh, the fact that Joy wants to use blackmail against people on the board. Harold doesn't want her to do that, though. Um, leave all of this fighting for the company. Uh, leave that to Hogarth and the courts. Hogarth, that Hogarth. Hogarth said Ooh. with uh, distinction there. Do you think, uh, Pete, that that is, and I, I, I mean this not with a an amusing wink, it's more of a, a, a serious question. Do you think that he's, do you think he has some negative views of her and follow-up question, perhaps because of her personal life? Um, do I think he has a negative view of Jerry Hogarth? Undoubtedly she was connected to Wendell and though they were partners and he said nothing but nice things about Wendell to Danny, I have no doubt there was uh, deep resentment harbored there. So he does not like that Hogarth. Fair enough. Uh, bottom line is Harold has another plan in mind. He knows that secrets and lies have taken a toll on his family. Um, he wants a future free of those lies no more lies. Honest goodness, no more lies. And he looks off to the terrarium where Kyle's body <laughs> lies. So we wind up, Matt, uh, at the place where Colleen first came to when she returned from her grandfather's in Japan. Is this a monastery? Is this a school? Well, it's a bit of both. It's a safe place place for people who need a home. We see Bakudo leading a group in uh, Tai Chi. And uh, the explanation there from Colleen continues that they took her in, that they helped her get settled. Well, who's they, Matt? It's the hand, right? 
I hope not, Pete. That would lead for quite a quite a revelation later in the episode if they did that. What I found um, notable in the direction of this episode, in this particular scene, is uh, is equal opportunity, Pete. Everybody's wearing the yoga pants and uh, the camera catching the the fact that these yoga pants highlight the heinies of males and females alike. So some tough decisions made in shot choice and uh, selecting extras for their derrieres, I dare say. I was really focused on the story, Matt, so I didn't pay attention to any of that. But Bakudo and his group, The Hand, um, they continue their, uh, her, their sensei, her family, um, the only one she's ever known. And uh, Danny thanks Bakudo for showing him how to heal Colleen. However, it's taken a lot out of him. Are you ready to recharge? He asks. And um, though he's been told that Danny was the Iron Fist, the immortal weapon um, that's been something of a special interest of Bakudo's, um, he's not been taught how to recharge his chi the same way he's not been taught how to rip poison out of someone's body. Like, why did you not read the Iron Fist? Uh, manual that you came with pete it's almost like somebody never told danny the story of darth plagueis the wise <laughs> you know there are things that you can do with hand chi that you can't do with tai chi that that are unspeakable but we're but are going to be spoken and things like getting the poison out of her um at this point, Pete, Bashudo's, uh, pardon me, not Bashudo, Bakudo <laughs> is going to show Danny something called Harnessing the Five Energies. Elemental energy. All of them, Pete. All five of the elemental energies. S- some weird blocking and choreography in this scene. Oh, I loved it. I'm sorry. I well, really liked uh, the unison of their movements. But for- here's the thing. Isn't here's what i took it danny watch me as i show you something which may be a new combination to which danny instantly closes his eyes once they are in unison i dig that um i he just thought we were set up for on danny. his own until he's shown for a little bit and and that's where story-wise it works suddenly it's danny taking up the next uh you know, movements or whatever we're going to call it. Uh, Bakudo did tell him at the beginning, you'd probably be familiar with a lot of these that I'd cobbled them together from, uh, you know, various masters and styles. So it, it really worked for me. I, I thought, Matt, I felt recharged. I felt the energy return to my chi that I could ignite my fist after I watched the sequence. Well, certainly by the time Danny takes over, I, I dug that. Um, Danny feels recharged as well. So Pete, you are Danny and Danny is you at this point, Pete. And I know we want to keep things positive here, but Colleen is asked to tell the kitchen that they're going to come for food and she should go to the kitchen and tell them story sin. Yes. Email sent to kitchen because that's where Bakudo sends a female and you know, the men need to talk and watch the secret, um, you know, hatch film of man with two iron fists from 1948. So Pete, let's just see if off the top of our heads, can we come up with a better reason other than woman to the kitchen, go and prepare us food. Pete, what's your pitch? Uh, that would be, Hey, Colleen, I have to talk to Danny about something important. That's just for the iron fist. Matt, what would you say? I would say, Colleen, can you continue uh, leading this group that I was just instructing? To which she can say, me, sensei? And he can say to her, yes, sensei. (gasps) Pete, though they are in the organizational chart, slightly different in terms of their teaching prowess, he's just suggested that they are equals, which is how I like my women, equal. I move that we combine both bits of dialogue, and there you go. Um. As you mentioned, Pete, and yes, the hatch is the perfect, just the perfect uh, thing here. We do get that that just quick shot of the safe haven, uh, pardon me, not the safe haven, but that kind of like the secret building. Um, 
And uh, Danny asks if this is a cult. And Bakudo says, yes, like the Girl Scouts. But we do have... We have Danny, who at times, Pete, we've said, come on, you're treating Danny, or story, you're asking Danny to be a 10-year-old. He is immediately throwing out there, so this is, you know, is this a cult? And it's stuck in their head. This is what we want with, um, whether it's foreshadowing or just details to be picked up later. We want it to be sticky, and that's sticky enough because of the great Girl Scout line. Um, Hey, Matt, when were the Girl Scouts founded? uh, 1923? 1947 what happened the next year um in china in china (laughs) (laughs) in china as revealed by by uh the video to be shown the piece of film to be shown a little bit uh there was uh the chinese army came across an iron fist be prepared wow it's all connected pete the girl scout pete are the girl scouts the public the hand. face, yes, not they the are. hand. Wow. How do you think they pay for all those cookies? Wow. There are, the cookies are a drug. Clearly, Madame Gao is aligned with the Girl Scouts of America. It's all a shill. Wow. Madame Gao is the head Girl Scout? Yes. Woman Synthetic Scout, heroin, Pete, Matt, Woman Scout. Synthetic heroin, yes. new s'mores cookies that are more expensive than all the other cookies this year. Hmm. Hmm. I, I was surprised by my recent purchase from a Girl Scout to learn that I had gotten the shortbread or whatever that was so much more, you know, that was more expensive than, than I thought. And I said, oh, whatever. How about was the Girl she Scouts? a petite Asian woman with a cane? Uh, she was not. Although when I had the first cookie, like my eyes dilated <laughs> and I felt just so incredibly good. Is and there then, a new patch form of Girl Scout cookies this year? <laughs> No, but you know, Pete, they did come with a really great, um, like super fun one of those, um, those like temporary tattoos. It was mostly clear, had like a little like wingless dragon on it. Have that with the cookies, and it was fantastic. Now I just need to buy more, or I'm going to feel awful and I'm slam my hand in the car door. Pete, take us though, take us blow by blow, frame by frame, Zapruder style to talk about this this movie, which luckily three Chinese soldiers and a videographer went into the forest. Yes, this was, of course, for propaganda purposes. That's that's why they had the, um, the camera in the first place. I got to wonder, too, Matt, um, this was around the time that uh, China took over Tibet, so I wonder how much we're riffing on the uh, historical nature of that. But maybe um, not saying Tibet because Netflix is in China. <laughs> right. Don't, right. <laughs> don't, don't, wake, <laughs> don't wake any sleeping dogs there. Certainly a, um, a consideration, okay? But uh, that there's discussion in this office after a lingering shot at some of the framed weapons and Danny looking at them, which comes back around a little bit later in the episode, that change is coming. It's going to be something significant. It's going to happen on August 18th when all eight Defenders miniseries episodes are dropped. I'm adding that last little bit. Um, but that that's clearly where uh, Bakudo is pointing us. Um, but he knew that he had somebody he could work with when Danny uh, took care of the pricing of the medicine for leishmaniasis at Rand, that they had similar values. And he explains the world's not run by uh, governments anymore, but corporations, oligarchies of the rich and powerful. So you know what says that uh, we're not an oligarchy of the rich and powerful, Matt? That's when you open your safe and you take out the secret uh, memory thing you were gifted um, because you're rich and powerful and you have a monastery school with all these people that you feed, that you then indoctrinate and send out on missions. And then you show this uh, rich young person who's now staying with you this video from 1948 that uh, it's black and white, it's grainy, and we instantly see 
a man with two glowing white fists. Um, looked like he had a uh, bandana mask on as well, which is the classic um, visage of the Iron Fist from the comics, albeit in green and yellow in the comics, not here, because that wouldn't show up in black and white. Danny Rand is Tom Cruise, question mark. Uh, Bakudo explains that he has searched for and learned about the Iron Fist for many years. Much of it has been theory, but now Bakudo can apply it to Danny. He needs a partner to help take down the gals of the world. Uh, and Pete, he wants to take care of those who are marginalized and left behind. What a guy, Pete. With that, we cut to Harold pushing a booze trolley to hide Kyle's dead body as Joy calls Danny because we're bringing it back to Danny just that fast. She puts dad on the phone. He has a plan to get Rand back. I love his accent. And I'm start. I'm working on this whole headcanon theory, Pete, that he's from, um, he's from maybe the, the Northern Midwest, you know, maybe a little Wisconsin there. And it's kind of, through the years in New York, it's gone away a little bit, but still kind of has the A, which is more like A, <laughs> and it's, it's a whole thing. Uh, anyhow, great, says Danny. We're going to get Rand back. Uh, by the way, Harold, I got a story football. Go 10 yards, Dad. Want to throw the story football around, Foster, <laughs> uh, Dad? Because uh, Madam Gow is out of commission. Gee whiz, Dad. Uh, I'm not sure if she's in jail or prison, but she's definitely out of the way. You know, just in case you know anybody who like owes her a life debt or something. So congratulations, Chewbacca. You're free. <laughs> and explains Bakudo. Wait, wait. Who's, who's this Bakudo? Oh, he's a friend, I think. Uh, Harold hangs up the phone. He is so happy. We just have to celebrate, have to celebrate. Repeating, repeating. Um, let's have some of this single malt. Pete, I know you named it properly at the top of the episode. I'm going to give a shout out to some of the Archer fans out there. I think he's drinking some some Glen Gooley. Uh, regardless, though, uh, Joy, for some killjoy reason, Pete, feels that that early in the morning is not the time to be having expensive liquor. Um, it's too early. I don't want to drink. I don't want to drink. He then smashes the bottle on the floor. His stability slowly coming undone. Pete, it's like they forecasted in the prior episode. Well, story sin number two, Matt, and yet again towards a female. Uh, they don't want to drink. They don't have to drink. Uh, dad, boyfriend, doesn't matter. And he throws that all over the floor before snapping into concerned ad mode. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do it. With that, we cut to Bakudo, who gets a report from Stalwart Assistant, who uses <laughs> Stalwart Assistant voice. Danny was on the phone with Joy, and then someone named Harold. Here is the report. Is this <laughs> Harold Meacham? I shall find out for you and report back. Yo-ho, my captain. <laughs> Listen, he was one of the few security people at the compound not wearing a baseball cap, so at least they didn't give you that. There is, I watched with the subtitles during the fight, the big fight in the courtyard later on, there's a, there's a credited voice of Guard 6. So yes. maybe this is Guard well, 1. It's, it's not credited on the closed captioning but how about uh, some of the audio when Danny finds the listening post? <laughs> Pete, I'll, te I'll tease that now. We'll come back to it. About, absolutely. Um, but Pete, pick it up from where Stalwart Assistant leaves <laughs> and Colleen comes in. Colleen's, uh, you know, joyful. How'd it go? Bakudo says that he seems ready. He thanks her. He knows it's been hard. And uh, we, we can tell him now, though, right? Colleen <gasps> says. There's a secret. And, yeah. And, that and, we don't know about. <laughs> uh, he says soon. He still needs to test a couple things. But she's pointing him in the right direction because other than the, the, the one bad thing we know of Colleen's done by the end of this episode she wants to make amends she wants to be honest here um you know ev everything that she does with with danny matters and that's why bakudo brings it back around that though he might be hurt when he's initially told 
Um, you know, if he feels the way that you think about him, he will come back around. Otherwise, he's not right for you, um, which was an interesting way to frame that. Yeah, Pete, is there a verb when a man explains the way things are to to a quote-unquote, well, I, I'm not actually quoting the episode. I'm more affecting the attitude of Bakudo. When a man explains something to a pea-brained woman, uh, what's the verb that you use? Handsplaining. <laughs> he does handsplain or mansplain to her. What is going on in this episode? I understand that Colleen is not head of this or the, the, this cell or this organization or whatever. What in the world is going on where they are sending her to the kitchen and Bakudo as boss slash older brother is like, let me tell you something, Colleen. He's not right for you. I might need to make the call that you need to break up with him. What is going on, Pete? Well, I mean, it speaks to the indoctrination that a a cult-like group can place on an individual in, in many respects. It's very similar to what we've seen in the first framework episode on Agents of Shield that the state, the 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 group more important than the individual. Great. If that's the case, then write it more so the arrow hits the middle of the target. Right. If all you needed was another 20 seconds for her to go, but, but Bakudo, I have feelings for him and he could put his hands on her shoulder, then clearly being patronizing or at least patronizing, you know, we, the audience can read his patronizing. He could say, now, now Colleen, you've spent a little bit much, too much time out there in, in, in the real world. You need to remember we have our rules here. And then you go, ew, creepy big brother who's actually talking down to her. I now can clearly, I'm okay with her starting to chafe against it and I don't like him and the episode wants me to feel that way as opposed to as opposed to this this more nebulous position. That's we are viewing it through the lens of the hand reveal later on though. So in, in, in fairness, for for us to rewrite at this point in a recap um yeah my notes taken unedited and taken as i watched is my my notes read bakudo mansplains to colleen that if danny isn't right for the group then colleen will need to split with him so regardless pete i don't take notes on on first blush and i had watched this episode and then rewatched it prior to our recording today but hey Danny's outside. You know who else is outside, Matt? Pete, is that Daryl? That's Daryl and female friend and guy who gets name and subtitle, Gil, who likes the food there. But uh, Colleen has uh, told them that uh, Danny might be coming on board here. This is the guy, Danny, that uh, Daryl's been telling you about that uh, whacked the kid with a pole. So, hey, you know what we do here at Not the Hand Monastery School? We bring up the fact that there's a guy who I was in a dojo with who unjustifiably um, knocked the guy to the floor, and he's awesome. Everything is awesome, Pete. Danny says, so you can kind of come and go as you want. Daryl says, no. I mean, we have a little free time scheduled, but everything is awesome. And Danny says, how about, you know, if you rascally little kids, you, if you ever wanted to sneak off the old campus, Daryl says, no, security's too tight, but everything is awesome. Well, no, there are areas off limits, mostly back that way. But still, everything is great. (laughs) And um, I give, look, again, prior to this episode, we've been at times... I don't know even necessarily critical with the writing. Just Danny has been presented as he's catching up to the fact that he's not 10 anymore and that his social tools aren't quite there. Here he is way out ahead of of it. He has, you know, clearly somebody who is not used to, oh, I have to follow the rules at school. Well, because, you know, his public schooling was getting tutors for the library when he was 9 and 10. He's He's on this as a cult thing, and I like that they're letting him as a man of conscience, he's picking up on this, even if it's not kind of a social cue type thing. Uh, so with that, Pete, with the idea that there's the off-limit areas, the game is afoot. 
Yeah, there's a couple more uh, shots of baseball cap wearing guards there. Some some chatter overheard, and uh, Danny decides to uh, iron fist jump his way up the old uh, fire escape to the second story, which looked like Finn Jones, by the way. Oh yeah, he no, he did do. uh, from what I've read and and what I've been told, he did do his own stunts. And from you know when you put on a catering uh, outfit and walked onto the set and said, "I got it, the pizza pies," and and infiltrated filming for two days. Is is that not public knowledge? <laughs> That's not public knowledge, folks. We're ten episodes in Iron Fist. We're having fun. Um, regardless though, Pete, he, he makes his way in. He sneaks downstairs. He sees what appear to be a, multiple monitors attached to multiple rooms. There's a prisoner in one of them, Pete. Luckily, the guard has just left one, kind of calling the story over to it. Who is it, Pete? Well, uh, the, the one that he left uh, food for, he explains what the, what the deal is that uh, you leave your tray by the door when you're done and then he keypads his way out. But then we see Gao on TV and she gets up. Uh, she looks into the other side of the monitor. I'm not sure it was a two-way monitor, but I guess in 2000. 16 when this is filmed every screen has a little camera on it to see you so whatever oh i disagree i think it was meant i think that she's being watched by the unblinking eye of a camera but she knows danny is there i think that it was meant right. to be more I was of a to the to the tech of it that yeah but yeah there's the the mystical angle of it as well um and you know she talks how she had offered him freedom that he rejected it kidnapped her and now he's run right into slavery calls him an idiot he says you're baiting me with insults here but uh she points out that she only treated him with respect um with who she truly is not everyone around here does the same thing um Suddenly, she floats out there that uh, that you know where where they are at is the hand. The, and now there's this question: Is this a hand training camp? Uh, just as suddenly, Bakudo is there. He's glad Danny has come. Uh, you know th- that witch is sharing her lies again. Um, they, they they can say the gal won't help them, but uh, that's not going to stop them there. And um, I have to admit, Pete, I, this is a twist I did not see coming. I had Colleen as a member of the hand. Uh, actually, it, this is Carmen, Matt. Spoiler, Pete has something spoiled for him. <laughs> um, in in maybe the, the worst possible way. But uh, I, I had been watching with that knowledge, like, all right, when's, when's the shoe going to drop? When's the shoe going to drop? I thought it would happen a little earlier. I will admit, I mean, just to be fair, we are at the, we're roughly at the one, uh, pardon me, we're roughly starting the final third of this turn. So, of course, it's a good time to start, you know, we're now going to orient ourselves to the final third. So, maybe I should have been a little bit more heads up, but you know what, Pete, Jessica Hennick, I, I don't buy her as a baddie, but now all of a sudden she's a baddie and I realize that's the kind of actress she is where I've, I've been pulled in and now I buy it nonetheless. <laughs> um, so with the knowledge that uh, Gao is not going to work with them, but she's not going to work against them either was a pretty interesting line there. Um, Bakudo delivers Danny back to Colleen tells them to enjoy their evening. And this is where uh, everything gets put on to the table there that she implied. This is the hand. He saw a ceremonial knife in Bakudo's office. Colleen wanted to tell him from the beginning and Danny screams at her on how the hand are murderers and killers. She retorts that this is all gow. Uh, great emotion out of the two of them here. She, she, 
it appears to be trying to deflect all of this. Uh, however, pretty quickly, she's explaining that uh, Gao is actually a part of a rogue faction of the wait, Hand. Wait, she's she's the rogue one? <laughs> Gao is the rogue one, yes. Um, Colleen and her bunch, Bakudo, they represent the good hand. Gao is the bad hand. We can understand why Danny is so upset, particularly once he is told that he is the brainwashed one uh, since he's been told that there's, you know, told one way to think that there's always, uh, that he's been prepared to fight the hand. Uh, Colleen says no one has ever asked him to see an alternate view of the hand, which I thought was a really interesting turn of phrase, Pete, just because all of this was made certainly before, many of these episodes were made before the notion of fake news and all of that was out there to the degree that it is now. I feel like this is a twisting of that concept because i have no doubt that we as the audience are going to ultimately find out that the hand are all bad and i doubt that we're gonna have any nuance of there's actually secret hand doctors trying to <laughs> they're doing the opposite of what raz al ghul does in 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 uh, the batman movies they're they're secret hand doctors who go into the inner city and give kids medical exams and dental exams <laughs> and you know like I know that they're bad and just this notion of, well, hey, you've got Danny, you actually you've gotten the fake news. We're going to unfake the fake news to give you this alt news about how it's actually good. I don't think we're going to hear be hearing about any chapters of Habitat for Humanity anytime soon. Wow. Um, but he brings Wait, it back. Is Jimmy Carter hand? Is that the great reveal? <laughs> Carter is hand. Is Madam Gao jimmy carter wow rosalind carter <laughs> um both rosalind and jimmy carter are madam gal does madam gal have a twin much like in the prestige oh sorry if i ruined that for people there's a twin <laughs> thing there regardless pete me just as we are all a flutter over this danny is too he storms out and the story takes us to Harold's building. Can you take us there, Pete? Yes. Dinner, Matt, is fresh out of the oven. Some fried chicken, some mashed potatoes, basically the visual equivalent of um, Harold making poor choices left and right, throwing out his green drinks in favor of bourbon, and now uh, gastrointestinally, He's thrown caution to the wind. <laughs> so uh, we have Bakudo there. Uh, he invites Harold to sit down at the long table where he bludgeoned his assistant, Kyle, to death with an ice cream scooper uh, probably the day before. And um, that he's there to explain that uh, Gao is out that everything that she was responsible for now falls under his direction. That Gao ruled with fear, and he is finding partnership to be more effective. He offers a way out, a return to public life, to which Harold is listening. Uh, indeed, Harold likes the sound of that. But back to what I in my notes, Pete, call Bakutoville. Uh, <laughs> Danny is awoken. He, he hears stirrings outside. Unlike some of the stirrings he's had since he got back to New York, if you know what I mean. Uh, people are on the move. Danny goes to investigate. He jumps hither and yon, much as one does, uh, into a basement area. Turns out that it is either the, or at least a, restricted building. There are but, monitors in what appears to well, be... Before he gets down there. You didn't see it? No. What, what did I miss? We saw Starman at the very uh, fringe watching him enter that basement. I don't know how I missed that. Yes, which is important, obviously, in the context of his appearance a little bit later. But once in uh, Bakudoville listening post room, Matt, where there need to be weapons mounted as well, because, you know, if you're listening to someone's pizza order and yes, that's actually what goes on over one of these channels. A guy orders pepperoni and garlic should be 35 minutes cash or credit receipt proceeds to read several numbers off a credit card. And then at the very end, we hear the expiration month and the SSID number 
So uh, don't go back and try to take that. <laughs> wow. I'm, my mind is, is blown here. Um, Unlike uh, Luke Cage, which uh, gave us a phone number that um, some people uh, on this podcast called and spoke to somebody uh, involved with the production and the real life address of uh, Claire Temple's apartment. In the background as well, there are cameras on Harold and on the dojo, uh, probably of lesser overall story concern than what I have no doubt is the forthcoming pizza story arc. Um, Danny tears the room apart, perhaps because he knows the pizza is so delicious and should not be uh, misused in such a way. Uh, Bakudo arrives. He said that, says that this room is a test and Danny has failed. With that, Pete, they fight. There are some good smashes and hits. The cutting weapons placed there so thoughtfully come into play. Uh, it definitely is a room made for fighting, you know, with all the breakable stuff, including the desk that Bakudo jumps off of and gets smashed on. Pete Danny's about to get attacked by two more goons, which to him, he acts like it's a big deal. I guess it is a big deal. He needs help, Pete. He does. And who pops up but Starman, who is revealed to be Davos, uh, tells Danny he is the worst Iron Fist ever. And suddenly they will get out of here together, but not before we go back to Rand. Indeed, at the Rand Tower, Lawrence is coming into his office, and Harold is there. Harold asks if uh, Lawrence is stupping the help again in the in the copy room. Uh, Lawrence is shocked. Harold, is that you? Harold dismisses his rather large goon. Uh, Lawrence is directed to look at the blackmail pictures, Pete. Um, but Harold says this isn't blackmail. This is about their children. Harold wonders what would happen to Lawrence's children if Lawrence had a fall from grace. Poor Michael in particular, the fragile son. Hey, you know, Harold has a troubled son too, so shouldn't they come up with a solution, an easy solution, just father to father here? The solution, Lawrence needs to kill himself. And Pete, Lawrence is, shall we say, reluctant. Sure, stress is overwhelming, but obviously this course of events a little too much for uh lawrence wilkins to uh follow along but uh harold explains to him that his father's their first responsibility is uh to provide their kids with a beautiful lie to live in and of course when he won't live in that beautiful lie he shoots lawrence in the head he asks uh, Singleton there how much longer till the system reboots. He tells him two minutes, 30. Okay, and make sure you get the fingerprints and the gunpowder residue right. Back to Danny we go. All the CSI boxes checked there by, uh, by Harold and his helper. Uh, back to Danny. He and Davos are surrounded, so they have a hallway fight. Uh, Colleen is awoken by the sounds of this. She meets up with Daryl. Hey, there's something going on with Danny. Pete, we are quickly headed towards the climax here. Danny and Davos pause. Uh, They're outside at this point, stealing apples from uh, from uh, Master Tuan was easier than this will be. And um, with that, we have a, a quick cut of Bakudo grabbing a pointed tip of something. Daryl tries to stop Danny. There's just pandemonium. And then, Pete, Danny gets poked by Bakudo with that pointed tip. And uh, that Pete appears to prevent him from using his iron fist to knock down the gate. Colleen sees him do it and reacts and goes the other way. Uh, Davos takes out Daryl's right leg. Um, time for the fist to work there. And, of course, uh, we find out from Bakudo that... Uh, Danny's anger, his hatred, his confusion has destroyed his chi. The fist won't work. You cannot access it. Not the thing that I poked you with in the side there. Not at all my followers. <laughs> when you put it like that, Pete, I think the intention is, is more than clear, certainly. Uh, a fight ensues in the courtyard. With spotlights, spotlight fight. That's my only complaint. It's it's a well choreographed fight. Clearly, they're going for you know two on twenty. 
who thought that having the spotlights continue to go back and forth? Like, who's the guy on the spotlight who's not going to then put the spotlight on Danny, who they're trying to get? Instead, just sit there and kind of wiggle it back and forth. Um, Maybe those guys were still in guard mode and and not in respond mode. I don't know. Ultimately, the spotlights are there for atmosphere, not lighting. Fair enough. Uh, The fight is pretty good. Uh, Davos and the actor behind him, particularly good at the martial arts. He does a lot of great, like, jump up and swoop and kick kind of. I like his kind of monkey pose that he that he takes when he goes back to back with uh with Danny whereas Danny's got the got the claw thing happening it's it, it, it's a great fight all the way around it really truly is uh concurrence to this Colleen is unlocking the gate she's pushing a whole bunch of similarly labeled buttons uh no I I guess at at hand HQ they don't have those like you know like those little like label printers where you can type in your own thing like gate one unlock gate two unlock instead it's just well it's, well, it's an upping, older technology we're upping the drama she's just uh, knocked out Eric who she asks to forgive him and forgive uh, her Pete forgive her I'm sorry and uh, with the the movement towards the the door as they run there um and and davos handling the one guy who makes it through danny locks eyes with colleen and then she smashes the controls with her sword they head out uh danny quickly as he's grabbing his side sees her leaving the compound and then bakudo goes back to check in with daryl tells him that he did the best to stop Danny like he asked. You're not going to kill Danny, though, are you? No, that's the last thing we want because I jabbed him with the thing that we're going to talk about in the theory segment on the Fantastic Geek podcast. (laughs) Bakudo is so helpful to set up stuff for our podcast like that. Uh, The next morning, uh, we find ourselves in the Rand boardroom. Joy dressed all in black. Uh, has the sad duty of telling the board that Lawrence committed suicide last night. Yeah, got to call Story Baloney on this one. She's ousted from the company. Why is she going to be the one to deliver this news? Particularly since, I mean, surely his body would have been found probably by somebody low on the totem pole. Yeah. um, Who then would have alerted a boss who alerted a boss who would have woken the board in the middle of the night. Whatever, if it's going to be story shorthand, uh, I guess. But uh, again, Pete, you can write around this. You can say, um, you you could have Joy say, uh, I appreciate the board calling me here, having found out overnight about the sad suicide of Lawrence. Um, Despite despite having been suspended from the company, uh, I'm glad that there's somebody from the blah, 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 then work our way into the speech, which already exists. Of course, the board needs to restore the Meacham, so on and so forth. Again, you just could have written around this little rough spot here. But again, Joy calling for a return to the, the steady hand, no pun intended, that will calm Wall Street. Because, Pete, a man died. We need to think about the effect on the stock here. The board needs to act to make this bounce the right way for business. Yes. Um, the the Meachams and Mr. Ran are moved for reinstatement by short gray hair lady. Uh, who we still I prefer to think with Pete as short, naturally beautiful hair for a woman <laughs> who is a bit more mature. Uh, we cut to uh, Harold toasting um champagne after uh joy finished that last scene locking eyes with his slightly smirking um portrait at rand headquarters and uh she talks about how she had felt his presence and indeed there was the maybe it was the third or fourth episode where she's talking with danny that she had the dream she thought she saw him after Danny disclosed that uh, he saw Harold when he was in the hospital. And from the discussion here, it seems fairly confirmed that 
<laughs> with all of his watching and manipulating and conspiring that he calls, I'm sorry, that she calls him on, that that was likely the case at one point. And remember your promise, Dad, no more lies. Did you have Wilkins killed? No, I'm a man of my word. Hand up here as I say this, Matt. No, I did not have Lawrence killed. I will not. The old Terminator, no, I will not kill anybody. I, I love it immediately. Immediately the audience understands what's going on. Uh, and I like that they didn't write. Again, I like that they did not write the line I'm about to propose. I did not order someone else to kill Lawrence. That obviously <laughs> is, is the subtext there. Really, really nice, fine point. But, Pete, speaking of having people killed, somebody else does kind of need to be a little <whistles> cleared out, you know? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, killed. Uh, his name is Bakudo. With that, Pete, cut to Colleen walking through Chinatown, looking pensive. In broad daylight, with her sword because it's new york after the incident it's a couple years after the incident of course you just walk through chinatown with a with a sword then pete we cut to the final scene of the episode davos and danny walking along while the latter continues to bleed uh danny needs to be stitched up before they fly home before they get back to kunlun Danny's a little shocked here, but uh, Davos says that Danny needs restoration. Danny needs to explain to the people of Kunlun why he abandoned them. He has failed in every way. Um, heck, Pete, his fist won't even light up. The only chance is to submit to Lai Kung and hope that he can restore them. Yeah, that Legong had sent uh, Davos to retrieve him, and now he doesn't even know what's going to happen. We get a lingering shot on the stab wound, and then a crane shot there, beautifully done, with the Rand billboard that reads, We're here for you, with a family walking down a path as the episode ends. Sparring partners. Let's take a look at who Danny faced off against in this episode. Pete, let's start off with Harold Meacham, you know, from Rand, Dad of the Year. Well, of course, with Joy back in the picture, he becomes Father of the Year again, right? Uh, not so much. Between, you know, hiding uh, Kyle's corpse in the terrarium with uh, alcohol to uh, blowing the uh, head off of uh, a corporate rival and now turning his sights on the, the man who could potentially bring his salvation about with the hand. It, it's completely clear Harold has no good in him. We have a better uh danny story in this episode than last episode but for my money it still is harold in the driver's seat for my attention in uh in this episode same as last episode uh, he is just such a such a magnetic presence for for ill and for good <laughs> mostly for ill around him mostly for good for my entertainment um but just an absolutely great presence speaking of presence matt in just one scene through a TV monitor, Madame Gao's presence still very much felt. Oh, I mean, phenomenally felt, particularly when you say to the actress, okay, here's how we're going to shoot the scene. There's the camera. It's not moving. You need to make it all happen. You know, which then everything becomes about her performance, her walk, which she has down. But I mean, just the whole thing, the way that she shuffles on back to the chair and just sits down with such poise and grace, the whole thing is absolutely phenomenal. And uh, they are so, so lucky to have an actress like her playing Madame Gao. Actress Wai Chin Ho, Matt, absolutely owns this. Her shadow felt throughout this episode. Good hand, bad hand, it don't matter. Um, she's still running this for the second straight episode in somebody's captivity. Pete, last on the list, we have Bakuto. Surprise, surprise, not just a sensei, not just a story big brother, leader of the hand. Yeah, and that 
He's monitoring people. Clearly dealing in information is his strength that he tracks down Harold to the penthouse and appears there. So it certainly um, represents the schism of whatever Gao's hand is and whatever his hand is as far as not sharing that information. But um, he is going to stop at nothing, it seems, to have Danny as the partner that he wanted. And I think there's obviously more going on with what he stabbed him with. Time to focus our chi and look inside this episode. Pete, first up, the big question. Do you buy it? Bakudo and Colleen are gooder hand? Good <laughs> more, hand? More gooder? <laughs> more gooder best? Um, uh, I think you, um, and and listen, I'm, again, not going to deal with uh, things I've already seen and, and know moving forward. But we're talking about this episode. And in the context of this episode, I think you called it that an organization that has been linked to such evil doings that there could possibly be a, a good, um, a salvageable aspect to it in surveilling people and keeping them with a curfew and not allowing them in, in certain places. It defeats any of the moral purpose behind it. it and, and I think you get to the nugget there that Daryl, who we've seen as, you know, this fresh faced, well-meaning, um, I don't want to quite say street kid. He's not like the, he's not like the, the girl from Les Mis. He's not a street urchin, but just somebody kind of, you know, from lower middle class, the, you know, from the city, that kind of thing to be, everything is great. I love it. I love, I love all the limitations placed upon me. <laughs> um, there's your, there's, you know, fr from the mouth of babes comes truth. Um, so uh, I'm with you, Pete. That's the first indication that all hand is bad hand. And let's talk about what the hand put in his hand and then stabbed the iron fist with Matt. Indeed. Uh, I think it is clear much as you, as you described it, Pete, it is, it is clear uh, to we, the audience, and it's clear what trick is trying to be played upon the assembled uh, hand underlings that, somehow Danny's powers have been blocked by this, uh, by this stab. Um, with the coital silver, right. That was from, uh, the, the civil war. Uh, Pete, it's all <laughs> surprise, surprise Alcatraz that, that beloved show of ours was a secret, uh, uh secret, <laughs> secret prequel to, uh, Iron Fist. Absolutely. We've been, we've been doing Marvel all along. Um, yeah, I like that it is clear to us, the audience, what is being inferred by its effect on Danny, but that it is hidden enough that the claim made by Bakudo to his crew is uh, is more than possible. Well, that he stabs him with it and then tells Daryl that um, killing him is the last thing that they want. Davos has come to bring him back. Clearly... He is looking to gain access to Kunlun and this passage that exists. Of course, another, I mean, it's its perhaps not the most uh, complex theory, but the notion that Colleen has chosen Danny's side versus the side of the hand, certainly very telling. I kind of wondered why when she escaped out of the guard shack outside the the compound that Danny didn't say, Hey, Colleen, we're over here. Thank you for helping me, girlfriend. Let's team up now. <laughs> um, also, that one can access the guard shack. Uh, from the guard shack, one can easily access the outside, but one can't easily access the guard shack from inside. Like, now everybody's trapped in there because, I don't know, I can't open the door anymore because Han shot up the thing and I, we, we can't open the boring conversation anyway elevator. <laughs> It is what the story needs to be, but I guess, bottom line, my theory, Colleen is choosing the good. What about this way to Kunlun still, Matt? 
presumably weeks, if not months after Danny's return, still being open. Well, I think here the story can be whatever it wants to be. We don't know naturally what the magical rules are. So if you sit and go, Danny, I'm so glad I found you. There's only a week left to the celestial whatever. All right, well, you get to define the celestial weirdo particulars uh, by virtue of it being uh, fiction. To me, of interesting note, and, and I want to stress to our listeners, I'm, I'm still spoiler-free here. I know, Pete, that you had reported that one of the critic concerns from the episodes they saw, which we have now surpassed that, was we, we don't get to see Kun Lun. Now, of course, we do get to see a little bit of it, even in the episodes the critics saw, raising the question of how critically they were watching. But I digress. Um, we well could be headed there for uh, an interesting, uh, I was going to say story tangent. I think that that underplays it. We could be headed there, and that could certainly be a powerful bit of storytelling, um, writing-wise, acting-wise, visually, and so forth. So I'm kind of rooting for them to get there, particularly with all the threads in the air of why has Danny left and, and why was his training incomplete and things of that sort. Come on, his training went sideways. He, he, he explained it all to the, to the hand. <laughs> well, Pete, sometimes those sideways stories come back and, and, and get you. Let's listen to some messages from the mystical city of Cologne, Matt, to the Fantastic Geek Facebook page. Jim McCormick writes in, my Iron Fist review so far, just watched episode eight. Where are the incredible acting performances that elevated the prior four series beyond all expectations? There are none here that even rank with Vincent D'Onofrio, Charlie Cox, Kristen Ritter, David Tennant, Mahershala Ali. I could go on and on. No menacing villain? The hand really went off the rails after Stick decapitated Nobu. Now we're left with a random fighters. I think he meant random fighters. Uh, lingerie slash Spider Girl, Matt's favorite. I'm adding the Matt's favorite part, not not Jim. I would also uh, like to say I, I did not uh, <laughs> describe her as lingerie girl. I described her as as similar to Silk, who is a related to Spider Man through comic booky ways. She's still your favorite, anyway. Uh, and Madame Gao, and she's great, but not on par with Kingpin or Purple Man. What happened to the armies of ninjas? And the juvenile writing, wandering story, plot holes. For example, Danny doesn't know or care that he's been kicked out of Rand. Lack of special effects. Please let it end. This is easily the worst Marvel show I've watched. As Peter said, I'm, quote, slogging, unquote, through this to get to Defenders. Pete, I guess... I hear where he's coming from there, um, particularly when you name all those great actors. I have absolutely dug uh, Tom Pelfrey's uh, sleazy performance uh, as as uh, Ward. Uh, week after week, we certainly praise uh, the, the the offerings that we're getting on screen from the character of Harold. Um, but I, yeah, there isn't quite the lightning in the bottle on this one, but you know what? That's okay. I, I think we're having fun with this. Let's see where the remaining, uh, is it really only three episodes, Pete? 11, 12, 13? Sorry, math is difficult. Yeah, 11, 12, 13. Um, has it lived up to the others? Not completely, but you know what? Let's see where things end up, Pete. Yep. Of course, Pete, making sure that things always end up on turnedly is the people on Patreon patreon.com slash fantastic geek pete they're kind of like our bunch of ninjas but they're they always fight for good i want to stress that to everybody out there they're fighting for good they're fighting to keep fantastic geek on the internets as is so thank you whether you're giving at the uh harold meacham level or the i guess current state of madam gal level it's from the heart and that's what matters most 
and we're fighting for you. If you are listening to this prior to sometime later in the day on Monday, April 10th, you are a Patreon member. So membership has its privileges, including the early drop of this episode. So thank you and you're welcome. Pete, of course, the greatest thanks is uh, that you get to interact with people on Twitter. Not that they get to interact with you, that you get to interact with them. That is the greatest thing for which you are thankful. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 9,148 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast in a whole variety of ways. We are Fantastic Geek, Fantastic with the PH. Find us on fantasticgeek.com. Leave a comment there. Email us at fantasticgeek.gmail.com. Reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram, where we are also Fantastic Geek. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek with the PH all one word. We had a surge in uh likers there in friends on the facebook a couple bailed after our most recent contest tisk tisk those that stick around matt are going to be awful grateful that they have particularly since well, what would you say pete maybe beginning of may we'll announce the next uh little little contest giveaway which is right now sitting in my desk there you go well pete with that it's been so great talking Iron Fist. We'll be back on Wednesday. If you're listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we'll be back on Wednesday to talk Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And we will we'll be back uh, Friday to continue the adventures for Iron Fist. So I will say goodbye for now to all our listeners and give you, Pete, the final word. Wow, you are the worst Iron Fist ever. 